HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the Dairy Farm Families of Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Milk Marketing Board. Did you know that today Wisconsin produces more than 600 varieties, types, and styles of American, international style, and original cheese that win more awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit eatwisconsincheese.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Only Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, November 18th. This is the 87th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a top culinary event producer. I will introduce her in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Later, we will have my speed round game industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to expect and plan for the unexpected. No matter how carefully you map something out, whether it's a business business plan or event, there may be curveballs thrown your way. That's life. So keep an open mind and be ready to adjust. As they say, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. That is my tip today. Now, I'm very excited to have my guest calling in from Los Angeles today. It is Carol Chin, Vice President of Culinary Events at Octagon, a global leader in sports, music, and entertainment marketing. Carol has been producing events with with celebrity chefs for 20 years. She spent 16 years in New York City for nearly a decade at as the special events director for Bon Appetit magazine. In 2005, she joined Carlitz and Company, establishing its culinary division, where among events, she collaborated with Lee Schrager on the establishment of the Food Network's NYC Wine and Food Festival. She returned to the West Coast in 2011, launching Carol Chin Culinary Consulting and producing events such as All-Star Koshan and Lucky Rice Night Market at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, 
and the Los Angeles Food and Wine Festival, where she was the executive director. Now, I could go on and on, but that's a long enough bio as is. So, hello, Carol. Are you out there? Hello. Good afternoon. Yes. I'm tired just after hearing that. Well, I, I really tried to sum up, and I, I had a hard time because you've done so many amazing events, and, and in your career, I'm just fascinated by your career. So, um, I'm just honored to have you on the show today and get to hear more about everything you've done and, and where you are today. So thank you. Thank, thank you, you for joining me. And so I say in the bio that you returned to Los Angeles. So, but I didn't say that you started there. So how did you get your start in the culinary industry? Really? It was um, about 1993 and I had a degree in history from Berkeley and I, you know, was working at a corporate human resources office and I, just decided, you know, I love food and wine. I want to do this. So I ended up applying to a bunch of different restaurants. And at the time, there was no internet. You didn't Google things. You, you know, it was really just kind of, you had to do your own research and, and um, find things out your own way, you know. And, and um, I ended up lucking out into this job at Star's Restaurant with Chef Jeremiah Tower. Right. Um, who's just, you know, legendary and you know, James Beard Chef of the Year and, and amazing awards and, and and uh, and ties really. So I, I lucked out starting there as a hostess, and about two months later, he fired his assistant, and they offered me the job in the office. And um, he was a little intimidating. You know, he's a very formidable figure. Um, but honestly, working for him, I just can't imagine a better uh, launching point. Um, working with him side by side, just you know, on James Beard events, on events all over the country, talking to Julia Child and Wolfgang Puck, or people he would talk to on the phone. Um, it was a pretty amazing entree. I can imagine because I only have read about stars. I never, I never went there, and I know. Yeah, and then Jeremiah had come back to um, Tavern on the Green, which I think introduced some people here in New York that didn't know of him to mm-hmm. what he had done back when you were working for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I mean, honestly, just one of the early founding fathers, so to speak, of of both California cuisine, but also the celebrity chefs. Um, you know, sort of movement. And I think, um, I know Anthony Bourdain's um, 0.0 is working on a documentary about him. So I think that will kind of bring him to, you know, expose this new generation to him and his influence. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, but when you really, when you talk to Bobby Flay or Mario Batali, a lot of them will cite him as a as an inspiration. Yes, I I believe that. And mm-hmm. that's a great, I, so that's how you got your start. And then yeah. what brought you to New York? Um, so while I was working at Stars, um, I started as his assistant and then doing events with him and, and some of the public relations things. You know, he was very um, out there and networked. So one of the events we did was with Bon Appetit magazine. And, um, you know, even though at that point I, I had never, I wasn't really into a lot of the media scene, um, and it just wasn't what it is now. I mean, the Food Network didn't exist yet. Um, it was a very early days kind of, you know, in, in the in the culinary industry. Um we were faxing things and you know, <laughs> measuring right. things. So it's, it's so different when I look back on it now. Um, but I, I really enjoyed that event, and I thought it was so cool. And I um, reached out to the people I worked with and said, look, it, I don't want to write and I don't sell advertising, but I just you know, would love to learn more about what you do. And um, I was just incredibly right place, right time. And they said, you know, we were thinking about creating a special events position. Would you be interested in that? And I was like, oh, my God. So I, I moved out to New York to take the job with Bon Appetit magazine. And um, 
I mean, I, I assumed I'd stay in New York for a couple of years and, and move back to San Francisco. Um, but the job was just so incredible and offered so much opportunity. Um, I wound up staying for 10 years at that job. So, and it just grew and grew and, and that, then Food Network launched and celebrity chefs really started to come into their own. Um, so I was lucky that that job allowed me to travel around the country, do events in France and Puerto Rico and, um, you know, all over. Uh, so I, I, as the scene was kind of expanding and, and evolving, I'm doing events in Dallas, Miami, Chicago, you know, L.A., and really had a chance to work across, you know, meet so many amazing chefs and see how that, that all turned out. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I remember meeting you back when you were at Bon Appetit mm-hmm. when I was at KB Network News. I think that's initially when we were introduced. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I know. I, I've been in the game a long time, too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and things have changed. Um, so so you, you you moved back to L.A. You started, you launched um, Carol Chin Culinary Consulting, and then you started doing events, I mean, not only in Los Angeles, because you had, you know, with the Cosmo in, in Vegas. So mm-hmm. how did you come up with, with these different events, and were you, and what was your, I mean, what, what do you do exactly from, from, you know, are you the one, you know, getting all the chefs involved? Are you hiring consultants to, you know, or people to help you produce it? Um, tell me more about exact, you know, your specifics. Yeah, no, really each, each brand or product is a little different. And, and so it depends. Um, a former client of mine from Atlantic city was moving to Las Vegas to launch the cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. And they, um, really, it was such an amazing client to work with. They did a lot of, um, research into who their core customer was, what their values were, what their, um, you know, really their, their culture was going to be. Um, so, it was a great kind of exercise to work with them, and they really pushed the, the envelope and and um, so creative with a lot of the things we did. Um, but so they they kind of challenged us, you know, what taking our core customer and our culture, what does that look like from a culinary perspective? Um, and what we really, as we were talking, you know, their their whole um, focus when they opened was they did not have they had restaurants that did not have any other location in Vegas. It was introducing. New chefs to Las Vegas, Jose Andreas, Scott Conan, um, David Myers, you know, they, they, the Blue Ribbon Sushi Group, they really did a, um, um, an, made an effort to bring something new to a very crowded market. And so looking at the, I, I helped them with the culinary events, their, their launch year, and looking at um, that landscape, again, you already have, you know, Vegas and Cork, you've got all those mega chefs have restaurants there. So we were trying to come up with something that was, different yet still, you know, really relevant and, and, and interesting and delicious. And so, um, you know, both Kashan and Lucky Rice are such uniquely curated events. Um, I think uh, Kashan, of course, is, is having chefs cook with a whole hog and then, um, you know, presenting it in a kind of a tasting format to judges and picking a winner. Um, so since they already had that tour and that, and that finale, if you will, um, we decided to bring the All-Stars to Las Vegas. So we brought 10 chefs from around the country. They each got a whole hog and just went bananas cooking, <laughs> bacon, um, pork belly, every any kind of um, you know iteration of, of pig you can do. Um, and then Lucky Rice, of course, is the all-Asian food festival. And again, so, you know, just a really hyper-curated event. And, you know, we had Eddie Wong and we had um, Jet Tila and uh, Sang Yoon from LA and just great chefs come out and, and um, put their spin on Asian cuisine. So 
Um, we did things like that. But then we also, they have a wonderful art program. So we did an event in their garage. If you've ever driven, which a lot of visitors don't, but if you ever go to the garage of the Cosmopolitan, they had like very famous graffiti artists, or artists, I should just say, um, do the walls there. So there's Shepherd Fairy. There's, you know, these amazing, um, each floor is a different um, uh, artist did, um, did the murals down there. So one of the floors is Retina from L.A. And so we did an event on that floor where he was painting live, and then Jose Andreas was serving, like, tacos off of a taco cart. <laughs> and it was, like, this really amazing party in the garage. So. <laughs> Wow, who knew? I I went out to Vegas earlier this year because I hadn't been since City Center and the Cosmo had mm. opened. And I was there, it was in January, and I stayed at the Cosmopolitan. But I did not visit the gar- garage because yeah. I flew in. And um, now I have to go back. <laughs> it's kind of a little unknown treasure. So there's that, and then there's secret pizza. Did you find the secret pizza? No, I did not. But I did eat well in that hotel and in yeah. Las Vegas. I mean, I, I went purposely just to check out the restaurant scene because it's it's a pretty rem- remarkable town of what's happening it, there. It's incredible. I mean, it, it legitimately is an amazing food town now. And now you've got Giada de la Rentis has a restaurant there. And, you know, just all these three-star Michelin chefs, Guy Savoie, Robuchon. It's kind of crazy. Yes, I went by Giada's place. Um, mm. It was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, killer view. Yeah, yeah, amazing. So, and then I've been to, I mean, out of, I was looking at the list of of the different events that you've done, and I have been to several of them. Um, yeah. I went out to LA Food and Wine the first year it launched. Um, I don't know if you were involved then, but. Just I, peripherally, I just did the Giada de la Rentes event that year. Okay, it was great. It got, it got me to, you know, get back out to LA and, um, it was it was a terrific event. I mean, it was a little different than, well, I don't know. They're all, I don't know, going to different cities. They're all different. But mm. like L.A. is kind of like Miami or even New York that the events are spread out in different different areas. Yeah, and just so big. I mean, coming, I had just left kind of the Food Network New York City Wine and Food Festival and then did that event. And, you know, to be able to lay down 60,000 square feet of red carpet <laughs> and, you know, just like that kind of space, we just don't have that in New York. <laughs> So when you're when you're working on these events, like how far out do you get involved, and and you know what's what's like a, I mean a day in the life. It's probably every day is yeah. different, but I mean in some cases it's a client that's like we want a food festival, go, and it's it's pick the date, pick the venue, pick the programming and theme, you know, figure out all of the chefs and you know and, and it can include everything up into website marketing, tickets, um, public relations you know, just really soup to nuts. Um, in some cases, it's someone who already has an existing event and, and just needs the actual production work or needs to help recruit the, the chefs or something. Um, but I'm kind of proud to say that I was involved in launching a lot of these. So looking at Vegas Uncorked, um, its original iteration was called the Bon Appetit Wine and Spirits Focus. And so we did that We did that for maybe nine years before they changed the name. Um, but so launching that one, launching New York City, launching um, Lucky Rice, um, you know, so many of them, it's kind of, it's kind of fun to look back. Yeah. What's your favorite part of working on events and working with celebrity chefs? 
You know, well, with revenge, what I always say is I love that there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. There's literally, I think, <laughs> you know, you get so deep into them, and, and you're living and breathing them, you know, 24 hours a day by the end of the, um, by the, end of the event, that I'm, then I'm kind of over it. I'm, like, sick, and I'm ready to go to the next thing. So I love that, that every day is a little different, and there's kind of this life cycle. And then um, when I'm done with it, I move on to something else. And even if it's an annual event, by the time it's, it's time to to relaunch again, I'm, I'm ready to focus on that. Um, and with working with chefs, I mean, I, I truly do just love food and wine, and, and that was why I got into this, but it's been amazing to, to see the evolution of them as well. Um, and I know we'll talk a little bit later about Bite, but, you know, watching some of these people I've known for 20-plus years evolve from, okay, I'm just trying to make a living, to I'm just opening my own place, to I'm building my brand, to I'm building my empire. And then now watching a lot of them kind of consider what's my legacy? Like what, you know, what, what do I, what's my legacy going to be to this industry and to this city or planet? So um, it, they're just amazing creative people. Yes, very true. Okay, we're going to take a little break here and come back talk a little more with Carol. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Hey, this is Michael Harlan Turkel from the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You know, every Tuesday at 3 p.m., I stop in the studio, walk to the far side, sit in my favorite blue chair. If you ever stop by Roberta's, look through the window and you can see that chair itself. You know, and I've been sitting here for five plus years, 250 episodes have met some of the best people in the food world, such great culinary minds. Um, And recently we just relaunched our website, added a whole bunch of shows, but we still need you, our listeners, our friends, our fans, even guests themselves, to help us out. We, we, you know, we're a 501c3, a nonprofit, and we're not really doing this for the money. We're doing this for the love, for the greater good of the food world as a whole. So get on HeritageRadioNetwork.org, click that little pounding heart in the top right corner, and, you know, give what you can, or just keep on listening. We'd love to have you. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Carol Chin, Vice President of Culinary Events at Octagon, a global leader in sports, music, and entertainment marketing. Carol is calling in from Los Angeles. You still there, Carol? I am. Oh, good. (laughs) Good. Okay, so before the break, you had mentioned Bite. Um... So tell us about Bite, because the little I know about it, um, it sounded amazing, and I'm wondering if you're doing it next year, so possibly I can attend. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I have to say, so I joined Octagon um, in 2014. Um, Octagon is really, it's a, it's a large events you know, marketing agency. We have clients and offices all over the world, um, but uh, most of what we, a lot of our specialty and expertise is in sports marketing. Um, and, you know, they, they were looking at other things that are that people fans are passionate about. We're a passion based marketer. So they were like, you know, the obvious next step is entertainment and music. So they expanded into that. 
And after they launched that division, they were like, well, what else are people passionate about, like sports and music? And food came up. So they had me join. And when I joined, they said, if you could do a food festival anywhere in the country, where would it be? And I said, Silicon Valley. And they looked at me like, really? We thought you'd say Austin or Portland. And I'm like, you know, those those towns, there's food festivals everywhere now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so interesting what's happening in Silicon Valley right now. Um, it's not maybe known for food, but once you kind of start poking, poking around, you really see so much innovation and, and you know, this culture kind of burgeoning there. Um, and so I kind of liked going into a, a market where there wasn't any competition or any, any you know, any existing events like that. But then also um, people were so excited to, <laughs> to, you know, sometimes we do events in New York or L.A. and people are like, another one. And, you know, to go somewhere like that, we're like, oh, please, please, you know, come out here and do this event. It was, it was really gratifying. Um, so it was kind of a reaction to, to the location was a reaction to that. And then the topic, um, Byte, is, is the intersection of food and technology. Um, and we took that in the broadest way possible. So it could be, you know, social media, how everyone's obsessed with taking pictures of food. It could be the gadgets and apps and software in the restaurant kitchen and the home kitchen. To the most fascinating part was how the food industry is now using technology to address some of the challenges in the food system. So, you know, food deserts and, and income inequality, um, food waste, GMOs, like some of the you know, really more weighty and maybe serious topics. We So we did a two-part event. The Friday was a conference where we had speakers like Jose Andreas or um, Josh Tetrick, who was the founder of Hampton Creek, the eggless mayonnaise, the vegan mayonnaise company. Um, we had the head of food for Google. We had um, Danielle Nirenberg, who runs Food Tank in D.C. So so many interesting thought leaders and, and people really um, at the forefront addressing these challenges. Um, Roy Choi came and talked about local and, and how he and Daniel Patterson are bringing um, just, you know, restaurant quality, celebrity chef-driven fast food to food deserts. Um, so that was just, I think that to me was, was the most exciting part of it, was doing something new like that. Um, and then Saturday and Sunday was a more traditional food festival. We had a grand tasting, we had cooking demonstrations and wine t- uh, seminars, and, and that was even that, though, we had 3D printer, we had sous vide machines, we had a lot of the technology out on the floor that people could come and see and try firsthand and, you know, meet and talk to the chefs, of course. So, um, And I, I know you know Marissa Ains. She worked on the event with me. <laughs> yes, Marissa came on my show, and she's, she's, uh, she's terrific. Exactly. Um, I think, actually, she had come on my show before... The event was yeah, coming we were up. Just right okay. in the throes of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, no, and I watched this as all real, and it it was it just it looked like a, a beautifully done. Well, uh, you know, I've been to a lot of your events, so I expect that they're going to be well executed. Oh. And um, but it just looked like it was it was it had a really nice turnout. The food looked great. The the chefs involved, and um, I think food and technology is something that's become a, a huge topic and definitely something that we weren't talking about when you and I started in this industry. So I think it's, it's a timely event to be doing. Um, Are you going to do another one next year? Will this be an annual thing? We are. So we're looking now to try to lock in a date and and availability on some of the chefs and um, starting our kind of early steps, but yes, and we would be going back to Levi's stadium 
Um, and I should mention, because that venue was just an incredible host venue. Um, of course, it'll be where the Super Bowl is played in 2016, oh, um, the great. home of the San Francisco 49ers. Um, but it is, it, you know, when we did the event, it was less than a year old. It was it's state-of-the-art. Um, and as an event planner, to walk in to a venue like that that has Wi-Fi, that has air conditioning, 40 bathrooms, it was just this kind of dream venue. You know, commercial kitchens and, you know, air conditioning. We don't, we don't usually, you know, a lot of times I'm building a tent on a beach or on a pier or right. a parking lot. So, um, yeah, we were quite spoiled by that gorgeous new facility. Are you integrating the the sports and the entertainment and the the other components that Octagon specializes in into the culinary events that you're now doing? Is it yeah, tied together? I mean, okay. Um, yeah, not so much in, in Bite, but in a lot of the other events we do, um, absolutely. And, and so a lot of times what will happen is I'll work with our other account teams that are on some of these other clients, and they'll be planning something. But that is kind of was the impetus for Octagon starting a culinary division. You know, more and more of our clients are saying, if we're going to launch a car, if we're going to, you know, focus on a new credit card, why wouldn't we want that, you know, culinary experience to be the ultimate? Um, so it was, it's something that I think all brands are, are considering any, any event you do. There's, if there's going to be food and beverage, whether it's a tailgate at a NASCAR race or, you know, it's this amazing, um, you know, ultra luxury BMW car launch. I think they want good food. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and and honestly, kind of the buzzword around the agency is millennials. It's the generation that everyone's starting to focus on, and you know how large they're going to be and how much buying power. So marketers are are really studying this group, and they over-index on food. People in that generation spend more money proportionately of their income on food than any other previous generation, um, which gives me hope, which is good for job security for me. Right, um, absolutely. But it also means like they're they're more obsessed with you know getting into Momofuku Co or you know getting into Blanca than they are with the status handbag or or shoes that maybe previous generations were, which is interesting. Yes, I think. Um yeah, no, it is interesting, and it's it's we're we're in a, a hot industry, I guess you could say. Mm. Now you you also just you were involved with a recent Autism Speaks Celebrity Gala in Los Angeles that yeah. and and you had celebrities and uh, I mean amazing chefs there, but I saw Pink was involved. Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. So Autism Speaks, um, they are marking their 10th anniversary. They're actually based in New York City, and they've done this this fundraiser in New York for many years where they've had the celebrity chefs cook at the table. Um, it's down at Cipriani Wall Street, and they do this amazing, you know, gala. And in kind of looking at the 10th year and expanding, they were, you know, they wanted to bring it to L.A. So um, luckily I was I was looped in, and we started planning it, and, and the event was, it ended up actually being larger than New York in terms of size and number of people. Um, again, we have more space out here, so I think that was part of it. But um, sure. the, they were very fortunate to have some, some um, event co-chairs who were extremely um, connected in the entertainment business. So um, they pink um, her, I guess it's her co-producer, co-collaborator you know, on a lot of her songs, um, is involved with it, is on the national board. And so he asked her to, to come perform with him. And um, so she was involved. And then Conan O'Brien um, was our MC. So, and he did this hilarious monologue featuring a lot of, you know, food and chef jokes. And 
had a slideshow with which celebrity would play which chef in the movies. <laughs> so, um, so that was, you know, the show was great, but then also to have um, all these chefs cooking at the table. So, Right. Okay. And yeah, because I mean, we talk a lot of the, well, almost all of these events or maybe all of them have a ch- charity component, mm. you know, that that's involved. It's, it's, which is, which is nice that it's, it's in this one, obviously for autism and, um, um, I know the New York City one at Cipriani is very well received, and um, yeah, it's a good cause. So yeah, yeah, and so we raised one point two five million dollars, um, and it was just—I mean, you know, when we had chefs like Joaquin Spichal and Nancy Silverton and Michael Voltaggio and Josiah Citrin and just so many—I mean, I, I, I don't even want to start naming because there's all fifty-six of them were amazing, but um, but truly, you know, I think they were they were so happy to participate, but just cooking for 10 people instead of doing a 1,000 mm-hmm. portions of something at a tasting, a lot of them had um, remarked on it and just had so much fun, you know, and running around and seeing all their friends. So. <laughs> right, and that's impressive, really impressive. Yeah, yeah. So before we take a break, let me ask you my question from last week. I had on mm-hmm. Carolyn Richman. She's a partner at Fox Rothschild, Attorneys at Law. She wanted to know what, what's your preference when dining out to pay an all-in fee or gratuity, which was a hot topic we were, yeah. you know, been talking yeah. about. I mean, right now I, I feel like you just default to gratuity because that's that's the system that we're on. But as as the minimum wage um, issue starts to affect how restaurants have to pay their employees, um, and certainly when you have people like I think it's. Joe's Crab Shack, who's now joined Danny Meyer and, and some of these other companies and adding in the, the all-inclusive, um, it, it may not be an, a choice for us pretty soon. And, and I have to say, you know, I, I think it is going to go that way as the minimum wage starts to creep up towards $15 across the country. Um, it's kind of a hot topic out here in L.A., um, because they did not exempt tipped employees, which I think is wrong. And I think, um, you know, if, if someone's pulling down $150,000, that's not who this is designed to help. <laughs> so we're, we're not looking at servers that are making that much money. We're looking at people like dishwashers and bussers and the guys in the back of the house that really, you know, they do need a, um, a livable wage. So I'm, I'm all for increasing the minimum wage, but I think um, that tipping tipped employees should not be part of that, <laughs> or they should just be put onto the whole system you know, onto a salary. Right. Okay. Great. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's a hot topic. People are talking about it across, across the country at least. And, um, I mean, how do you, how do you like being out there in Los Angeles? Are you, are you staying there for a while? Well, my whole family's out here, and honestly, the couple winters that I've missed, I, I don't know if I could come back to New York anymore. Now I'm kind of a weather wimp. Um, <laughs> but it's I hear always you. food scene right now is so hot. You have to come out, and, and we'll go dine around because there, there's so much happening out here right now. I would love to. I'm due to come back because I haven't been out since the first year of LA Food and Wine Festival, which was, when did it launch? Five years ago? Four years yeah, ago? So, yeah, yeah, so you can come once every five years. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm totally due. So, okay, terrific. It's a date. <laughs> now, we're going to take another break, and then we're going to come back. We're going to do my speed round game and talk some industry news. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network.
Okay, welcome back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Carol Chin. It is time for my speed round game. So, Carol, what this is is I'm going to name two or more things that are either-or choices, and you just pick your preference. Okay. Okay, so here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat out. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Hmm, probably wine. Okay. Tasting menu or a la carte? Mm, this is a tough one. A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Ooh, chef's counter. <laughs> I think we're, we're very similar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we, we just talked about this, but I have in here tipping or all-inclusive charge? Um, like I said, it's probably not going to be up to us pretty soon, but <laughs> for now, tipping, I guess. <laughs> yeah. How about producing a sit-down dinner or a walk-around tasting? Uh, huh. Sit-down dinners I don't get to do very often, so I'm going to say that. Okay. Celebrity chefs or celebrities? Ooh, celebrity chefs. I don't know. Is there a difference anymore? <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. When you have an agent at William Morris, I think you're just a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Los Angeles? Oh, that's a hard one. You can't make me choose. <laughs> I, I, like, I live here and I have a 917 cell phone, so my, my loyalties are still torn. That makes you cool. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, in my fantasy, I win the lottery so I can have a pied de terre in New York and come back whenever I want. That sounds very nice. <laughs> okay, that was the game. You were, you were quick. Good job. Well, hopefully there wasn't any right or wrong answer. There are no right or wrong. Um, people get stuck a lot, though. Um, <laughs> so it's, just, it's, it's, it's interesting, but I think you answered a lot how I would probably answer. So we are similar. Now, industry news. A lot of interesting, unexpected news came out this week. So let's mm. try and get through some of this. So first, I have an article on philly.com, how Vetri is selling its restaurants to urban outfitters. Mm -hmm. And I did not see this one coming. I had on Jeff Benjamin uh, on my show from Vetri. He works with uh, Mark Vetri, the, the mm. chef. And um, so they've agreed to sell their restaurant group to urban outfitters. All of their restaurants except Vetri, which is the boutique Italian, um, the only one that I've actually dined at, which is like in a townhouse, and it, it's very special. Um, so what do you think, Carol? I mean, this is, is this a new, yeah. a new trend? <laughs> I mean, I think you are going to see this. Um, it's something I know, um, and it's something we kind of alluded to earlier, how a lot of these chefs are sort of looking for their exit strategy slash legacy, and... Um, you know, it's it's such a hard business to succeed at and have that kind of longevity. And Mark is an amazing, amazing chef. Um, yes, amazing. And I think when you, yeah, when you have an opportunity like that, and and from what I understand, the the guy at Anthropology, and I'm I'm forgetting his name. Um, I know he's also working with Ilan Hall, for instance. Yes, and and Ilan was on my show recently too. I did a show on Blue Cut Aprons, and he works mm. with them. So. Um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, and, and so I know he is a foodie and, and you know, and, and has been kind of, you know, playing around and exploring um, how to, how to you know, add restaurants to his complexes and to how to, to work with chefs. So it doesn't surprise me from that standpoint. Um, 
you know, I, I, I'm not in Philly, so I didn't have my ear to the ground on this one either. But um, I, I think, you know, you will see more of these. And, and as more chefs are expanding into the fast casual space to kind of figure out a, a, you know, how to get the college fund set up for the kids and you're looking at the Shake Shacks and the, um, you know, the, the fast casual concepts that these chefs are going to start, you know, Bobby's Burger mm-hmm. Palace and, and how they're going to roll those out. Um, you've got to either, either find someone to sell to, you've got to, you know, branch out into products or, or other, you know, fast casual concepts. And, and in order to really, you know, leave something behind and, and retire, um, I think you're going to see that. Right. And just to note, it said that they're, they're not expecting anything at all to change about these, the restaurants they have and their service. And actually, um, Jeff was saying that he thought it would help with service because uh, Urban Outfitters is going to take over the back of the house and the, the payroll human resources and also help with their expansion. Which And that is actually something I did know that Vetri is opening in Austin. So it looks like they're looking to roll out you know, more of their casual restaurants and pizzerias. So um, that's, you know, seems to me the reason why they, they also went for this partnership. No, it makes total business sense. Yes. So, well, congratulations to them on this. Exciting to see how how this all rolls out. And um, other news this week. So the New York Times had an article how Dana Cowan is stepping down as Food & Wine Magazine's editor-in-chief. She Mm -hmm. has been with Food & Wine in this role for 21 years. And I, you know, I find a hard time even thinking – of food and wine without Dana, but she's not completely like leaving. Well, she's just stepping aside and she's going to be working with chef's club international, which is, um, the, the restaurant, the chef's club by food and wine that they've been doing in Aspen and New York city. So were you surprised by this news too? <laughs> that, that I was surprised. I mean, I think like you, you know, I, Food and wine is synonymous to me with with Dana, and, and um, you know I think she's just done such an amazing job of stewarding that brand. And um, as you know, I worked for the competition for ten years, so um, just you know, just huge respect um, and, and um, admiration for what she's done over there. Um, it's publishing is such a, a cutthroat business, so um, for anyone to have a career that long at a at that level of of an, a publication is is amazing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know if there were other, you know, forces at, at play with with the decision, but um, I'm incredibly excited to see her devote, um, you know, put that energy behind Chef Club, and you know, I think it's um, it's it'll be an interesting extension of that business model to see if they can expand that or just do bring in lots more chefs. So very very anxious to see what comes next. Yes, me too. I mean, I like, I mean, I know I've been to Chef's Club New York. I had on Didier Lena on the show, and I mm. I think um, the concept is really cool. And there was a part of this article that says they do have plans to do Chef's Club globally. So, I mean, we'll see what's to come. And I'm I'm excited for Dana. I wish her the best. And But it was, I was like, wow. <laughs> it's like big news. And another news this week was I have an article on Grub Street, how Chris Kimball is leaving America's Test Kitchen and Cooks Illustrated. And he founded um, 
He was the founder of Cooks Illustrated and its TV offshoot, America's Test Kitchen, and he's been with them for two decades. So uh, I was surprised by that one as well, even though some people said they saw something coming because their publisher, Boston Common Press, had hired someone as a CEO um, a few months ago that apparently changed the dynamics there. Exactly. Yeah, and that one, I don't know. I don't know him. So I, I, I would suspect there was some other um, forces at work there. <laughs> uh, it's not just a decision, you know, to, to go try something new. So I don't know. But um, that's another one where that brand is synonymous with me to him, you know, with, with him. So um, I guess it'll be interesting to see how they innovate and what they change. Yes, I, I yeah, it will, will. Time will tell um, what mm-hmm. happens. And the lastly, I'll bring up, I just saw this like as I was on my way here, but Carol, did you see that Details Magazine is um, closing. folding? Yeah. 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 I'm telling you, publishing is such a hard <laughs> business. Um, it was funny. When I left New York City um, and was moving to L.A. To, to, you know, to go start my own thing, and people were like, oh, my God, that's so brave. I'm like, no, you know what's brave? It's like staying at a publishing company and waiting to see what happens. I mean, um, if, you know, if you had told me that they would shut Gourmet and you know, close down Bon Appetit's L.A. office and move it to New York, like I would you – know, lots of my friends lost their jobs in those. In those I, you know, and it's, it's, it's a really tough business. I, 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 uh, and I think Details is such a cool brand. So. It is. I know. I saw it. I was, I'm sad about it. Um, when, whenever you know people, people are going to lose their jobs, and they said. It, I mean, this is a Condé Nast publication. They said it was based on the decline of print ads. So, mm-hmm. um, publishing is, uh, yeah, it's tough. So, mm-hmm. well, that is uh, that's the news this week. A lot of really interesting um, and surprising stuff. So, thanks for chatting with me about it, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to take one more break. Come back. I'm going to do my solo dining experience. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. To all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience, which this week is at Katsuhama. Here's the rundown. Location, 11 East 47th Street in Midtown Manhattan. The concept, a Japanese restaurant specializing in fried pork cutlets. The chef, Antonio Garcia. Why did I go? Because I was by Grand Central Terminal and craving something delicious. My experience. I was seated in the back of the restaurant with several other guests. It was relatively early for dinner, so the restaurant wasn't very busy yet. The ambiance was livened by rockin' 80s music on their radio, and the staff was helpful and eager to please. What did I get? 
pork filet katsu served with unlimited miso soup, rice, and cabbage salad. It came with hot mustard, the kind that clears your sinuses. Plus, it came with a side of sesame seeds with instructions on how to grind them into a paste to make the tonkatsu sauce. My take. My table was a party with lots of small plates and condiments. I had fun mixing the different sauces with the fried pork, which was perfectly cooked with crispy skin. It was a very tasty meal. The scene. It was friends and, and couples. It seemed like a mix of Americans with some Japanese. Perfect for fried food cravings. Interesting tidbits. The term tonkatsu was coined in the 1930s in Japan and consists of breaded deep fried pork cutlet. Also, katsu hama has been featured in one of Robert Sietsema's secrets videos on eater.com that you can check out. Personal fun fact, I'm heading to Japan next month and I can't wait to try katsu there. The cost, $18, not including tax and tip. Would I go back? For sure. The website is katsuhama.com. Okay, so Carol, are you still out there? <laughs> I am, and now I want katsu for lunch. It's lunchtime out here. <laughs> I bet you have some good katsu in Los Angeles. <laughs> we have huge, yeah, we have great like Japanese uh, call, uh, scene out here, so... Yeah, gotta come. I have to come. To come to you. Yeah, I'm sold. I'm sold. As, yeah, as soon as I mean, it's not that cold out today, but yeah, winter is coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so time for the final question. Now, next week, I'm having on Cricket Azima. She's the founder of the Creative Kitchen and Kids Food Festival. She's also the author of Everybody Eats Lunch and Everybody Can Cook. So, Carol, what type of question would you like to ask? cricket. So we were having this conversation at a dinner last night. This generation, there seems to be this generation of kids that will only eat pasta with butter and cheese. And I, I don't know where that came from. Like, I, as a kid growing up, you know, I never got a, a, a vote for what was for dinner. Mom just cooked and we just ate it and it was delicious. And um, so I'm, I'm very curious. Um, I'm sure she gets this, this question a lot, but what, what, pivot or what tweak could we make to that pasta with butter and cheese that would make it healthier and and more nutritious for children to eat? I will ask her. It's a great question. And I'm (laughs) sure she has been asked that and she probably has a great answer. I'm sure inquiring moms (laughs) want to know. Yes. Yes. And I I think, yeah, I've seen that as well with, with, I've observed that with kids as well. So very true. So that is the show, Carol. (laughs) <laughs> well, thank you. It's, um, I'm, it was fun. I think this is the longest conversation we've ever had because I always see you out and about <laughs> at like food festivals, so, and I'm always running around like hi, bye. So and that makes <laughs> nice me sad. We need time. to no, but it's true. We see. I feel like we see each other a lot, but it is it's 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 at these events that um, can be uh, yeah a bit chaotic and more more places to go and food to eat. <laughs> exactly. Just you, me, and two thousand of our best friends. <laughs> exactly. But um, I've always been a huge admirer of, of you and all of the work you, you've done. So I greatly appreciate you coming on the show today. Well, and um, I wish you continued success with your career. So. Great. And, and come on out to L.A. so we can go on a taco crawl. I'm down for that. And then we'll definitely have more than 45 minutes to talk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So enjoy, enjoy L.A. I imagine it's beautiful out there today. 
Uh, or even if it's not, don't tell me because I just want to imagine it. <laughs> okay, I've been talking to Carol Chin. She's the Vice President of Culinary Events at Octagon, a global leader in sports, music, and entertainment marketing. Their website is octagon.com. You can follow her, Carol on sh- social media at Carol Chin. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. And I have two websites now, BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. As a reminder, all of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can also find us on Stitcher and iTunes. Thanks to my fabulous engineer, Liz, today. And thanks to Carol for joining me and everyone out there for listening. I'm Sherry Bayer. I will be back next Wednesday at 4 o'clock with another live show. Thanks for being part of All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.